Welcome to episode 244 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And I can tell you today isn't a great day in Pasadena. Like, we had this discussion a few weeks ago to say that it's never a bad day in Pasadena, but look outside the window. There's no sun right now. Yeah, I guess the exception proves a rule, huh? We actually, have, <laughs> I actually see a little bit of rain coming down. Yeah. It's shocking. Well, it's only supposed to last one day, so tomorrow it'll be sunny again. Okay. So just enough to make you appreciate it. All right. To remind you, like, it doesn't have to be sunny every day. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Anyway, how are you doing? Doing all right. Um, Yeah, it's been over two weeks since we've done a show. So I feel like I go through these phases. Like, there was a first week I had a whole bunch of things to talk about. And then then the second week, I have a whole bunch of new things to talk about that will replace the first things. And now on to my third week, like, we're just skipping weeks right so, i have so many things to talk about that it's just like so have you forgotten the world changes okay so you don't want to talk about those things anymore. Uh, you've been thinking about them and they're, they're, they're like old hat in your brain yeah well you know it's like if you haven't seen friends in a week you tell them a bunch of stories and stuff you're yeah. thinking about but if it comes like a month later you're not going to tell them about this the first the stuff that happened three weeks ago it's the stuff that's more recent i see so you said what you don't have anything for us today no i do i have just saying that it's like i was thinking about i was kind of going back through my notes stuff that was in my brain you know, you know I want to start off with with um, letters from the dark side. Oh, you do. There's that, well, a certain part of it. I want to like get your your thoughts on it because there's something that I'm not understanding. All right. So basically, the whole government closing down thing, right? I've got a few questions about this, and you can answer them separately. The debt First ceiling. of all, I don't understand how a government can close down, but don't don't get into that now. So, but I do want you to answer that, right? How the hell can a country have a government that can close down? That makes no sense whatsoever. Okay. Second of all, debt ceiling. It, you know, why would anyone not want to give access, you know, I guess what I'm saying is if it's going to really screw us over and this debt ceiling thing is going to not be fulfilled, like we're not going to grant ourselves extra debt and, and it's going to bring a global recession. Why would anyone do that? That makes no sense to me. So those why two, would what bring us recession? Okay. So from, from what I'm reading in the paper is, is that if the Republicans don't open the house and give us an extended debt, extended debt, then there could be inflation, there could be recession, there could be this, there could be that. Like, why would they do that? Why would they do that to us? All right. Well, um, <laughs> first of all, this is just speculation. <laughs> oh, so, so it's not... Like, nobody knows what's going to happen. Is it, It's a complex system. People have thoughts about what they think is going to happen, projections. People have different, um, you know political ideologies, economic models that they think are irrelevant. You know, nobody can can forecast exactly what's going to happen. But let's put it this way. So let's say that you, um, you know, you have a teenager and they have a credit card and it has a thousand dollar limit and then they run up to a thousand dollars. Yeah. And you say, well, that's it. Like, you know, like, well, I need more money. I'm sorry, like you can't keep having more money. Or let's say yourselves, let's say that you have, you spend all the money in the bank account, you have a $50,000 credit line and you jump it up to 50000 and then all of a sudden you're like, well, if I don't have another $10,000, 
I'm screwed. Well, what happens is, is that if you don't have any um, uh, financial discipline and you just keep ramping up and you have $100,000 in debt, $200,000 of debt, then pretty soon all the money you go that you make goes into servicing that debt to paying off the interest on the debt to not actually even paying down the debt, much less paying for everything else you need. You don't have money to pay for your mortgage or your rent or your car or your food because all you're doing is paying off the debt. So it's important that debt doesn't become so massive relative to what your income is that all you're doing is working to pay off the debt. Well, I do understand that as first principles about this issue. Well, no, that's not just first principle. I mean, that is core, that, right? But, I mean, it's a so, big, but, big deal. But I thought that from from what I've read in the the press, I don't know, my Google News feed, it, do, it doesn't seem to me to that that it's about that. It seems to me that they the Republicans, were, you know, it, it's a de facto, oh, yeah, they're going to grant extra debt. They're just not doing it in this case because they kind of don't want to, you know, it's like a punishment for Obama kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there are lots of political things going on. Yeah. But the fact that we have $16 trillion in debt, I mean, it was $10 trillion before Obama came in office. And it was like, I don't know what the number was. I mean, a Bush ran it up a bunch too. It was like 3 or $4 trillion. I mean, they've got, it's gone up massively. We have, we have a massive debt. Because a lot of times they'll talk about yeah. the, the debt, what our debt is relative to our GDP. That's not really important. What's, what's relevant is, or what's even a better way to understand it is what is our debt relative to our income, Right. I mean, it's like the GDP is not what the government makes. The GDP is is the sum total of every product and service that is transacted in the entire economy, but, right? So, so are you of the opinion that basically they're not signing it because they want to keep the debt down? No, is you're the, not letting me finish. You're, okay, you're right, right. right. So <laughs> you seem really anxious to jump in. If there's things you want to say, go ahead and say them, and then I'll, right. I'll answer. No, no that's it. That's it. Okay, so the um, so the debt is a big deal. It's getting completely out of control. So the 16 trillion that we have and that doesn't is 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 getting to the point if we keep growing at this rate that that the vast majority of the government's income is going to be just paying off the debt. So either one of two things are going to happen. We're going to have crushing taxes because your people are going to be taxed so heavily in order to just pay off the debt that our economy is going to grind to a halt and there's no way out unless um, we essentially default. We just don't pay the debt. So if you own T-bills or T-bonds or other countries don't owe, own debt, we just don't pay it, right? It's, go, it's going in that direction. Now, you know, I don't know if that's going to hit that in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, whatever, but it's getting worse and worse and worse. And um, there are different ways that we try and get around that by monetizing the debt, which essentially means we just keep issuing um, – uh, we keep issuing more debt, which deflates the dollar. And I don't know, it's, it's kind of like a little uh, financial sleight of hand. But the bottom line is, that's a big issue. Now, so the Republicans have a point in that the debt is out of control. But now, that's not the point they're making. No, that is the point they're making. They're, u- they're using it right now because they don't want Obamacare to pass. Right. Right. They want to defund Bob. They want some leverage in, in negotiating about Obamacare because, um, and and so they're trying to say, look, we're not going to pass. There is this thing we believe in, which is like a debt ceiling, which is that you have a credit limit. You cannot keep extending the credit limit. Oh, okay. so they also so they're saying that's the debt ceiling. So they're saying we're not going to keep increasing your credit card limit. So th- oh, every okay. year, right? 
Like we're not every year just because you want to spend more money, you can't just keep spending more money. So out of principle, they do want to hold the debt. They yeah. do. Well, I mean, certain parts of the uh, Republican Party, not all of them, but um, the Tea Party. Okay, well, the- people in particular that that segment of the Republican Party does not want the debt to keep increasing because they understand that it's de- it's ultimately long term incredibly debilitating for our economy. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? That does make sense. But they are also using it as a point of leverage so that they can get some concessions about Obamacare, which they don't like, okay, Um, which they believe is, for all kind of different reasons, is going to be bad for the economy, that's going to cost people a lot of money, it's going to be really expensive, and that it's fundamentally anti-free market, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? Now, no one believes that the government's going to shut down for any incredible amount of time, but for a short term, it might be just a game of chicken. But how does that, how does that leverage scenario translate to the government shutting down? Like, how can a government shut down? Well, they just start shutting off certain services. I mean, there's certain. There's but certain, who? Like, I mean, well, okay. If 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 the government, if you work for the government, and the government has to pay you, if the government can't pay you, then eventually you just stop coming to work, right? But if you work for seems, the post office or you work for the uh, the EPA or but, okay, well, let me just translate this to the UK. I mean, it, like it seems illegal to me. It's it's that, that what you just described sounds illegal. I'm imagining a scenario in the UK where we have Labour and Conservative, and Labour decides somehow. Oh, we and Labour even has this power. It's crazy. Labour has the power to to shut down the post office and stop paying post office workers to put pressure on the Conservatives. To me, that seems like a screwed up system that that could even happen in the first place. Well, I mean, I, look, I don't, I don't, I don't know uh, all the powers that exist or don't exist. In, so let's stick with the U.S. In, right. at least in terms of in, in England. But so, but you can't understand why there's not an that there is a a limit on the debt that can be incurred on a yearly basis, right? Does that make sense that you can't just make we're going to have a hundred trillion dollars. No, that, no, that, Does that make sense? That, that, so, that, that theory, totally makes sense, but that's limit. a different issue to the, I know. No, that's different to the question I was asking. No, but no, but that's sense. key. But you're, you're skirting around the core issue, which is that there is a limit to the amount that the government can spend. I, I get it, but okay. So but, if you cannot spend more than that amount, then, um, and you can't pass and you can't pass, um, you know, whatever your, your budget, then, you know, you run into, you just can't pay people. Right, you just can't, and then so the government starts selectively shutting things down. Okay, but so the go- so the government itself, right, has Democrats and Republicans, right? So that's, that's two parties. No, well, there's multiple parties. Okay, but mul- major multiple parties. parties. But then people who work for the government are, you know, in theory, are it's it's not about party. It's just they're working for the the government as a whole. They work for the FCC or the EPA or right. whatever. So how does one side of that government have the control? to like shut down something that's essentially owned by the whole. They don't have a power to shut down anyone. So how, so explain, I don't, that's why I don't understand why, well, why the, it's shutting the, down. The, you know, so let's say that, um, I don't know, the SEC has a certain budget, right? They have, they have this, they're like a company, right? Mm-hmm. They have a certain budget. All of a sudden they realize they're not going to get any more money for the short term. So they're like, okay, well, these divisions are going to shut down. You guys go on unpaid furlough until 
we get some more income, we got to pay. So the little bit that we have going to pay, we're going to pay the people who are absolutely critical. So like we're going to pay the federal, we're going to pay the people who go to the federal prisons so that the inmates aren't let out or starve to death. Or we're going to, so, you know. So is the reason because they won't approve the debt, the, the, the new debt, the new loan, that's the reason why they're not getting, that's the reason why things are shutting down. Right. Well, so that means if they never approve the loan, then the government's shut down forever. Because right. where are we going to get the money from? Right. But that's not going to happen. Because so they have to approve the loan. Samba, at some point, right? It's kind of like a game of chicken. It's like, who's going to blink first? The, the Republicans, um, and again, it's sort of like, even when you talk about, when you say things like the government or Republicans, you're also, you're being very, you're not being very specific. So not all the Republicans think that. And there are different segments of the Republican Party, right? And there are different players within the Republican Party that are pushing for one or the other thing. Now, what's going to happen in the Republican Party is they're going to, to be perceived as more the cause of this than the Democratic Party, and they're going to lose political um, points on this, right? And they're going, to, they're going to be taking political damage, in which case they're not going to want to take too much political damage on this, um, you know, because if, and so what they might, what they'll probably do is they'll probably blink at some point. That might be next Thursday. It might be three weeks from now. It might be tonight. I don't know. It just depends. Um, the, 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 uh, the Democrats or Obama in particular is saying that he does not want to, or he's not going to negotiate or compromise on Obamacare. You know, I, I'm not Republican or Democrat, but I mean, the, the, I can see both sides, right? I can see that you know, the, the, the Democrats are frustrated because, look, look, we passed this legislation. That's not what's up for negotiation. That's not, you know, we are passing, you know, uh, a funding bill, right? Um, but these guys are refusing to, um, to pass it unless we go and, and revote or, or, or somehow amend in either through funding means this thing that we passed, you know, two years ago or whatever it was. So it's I must just, say, I mean, I must say, like, I, I do find the whole discussion that you said about explaining about we have to sometimes have it you know we have to ultimately have a debt ceiling it does seem kind of irrelevant when they have to pass it like they have to pass they it otherwise they, otherwise they, the, the government's going to shut down forever well, essentially according to no, what, you're what could happen is well i mean let's let's go to like you know really severe cases what could end up happening is that you end up sort of shutting down big parts of the government for significant lengths of time you know i mean and then it, just, it could change the whole political dynamics. Uh, I mean, the Democrats could lose, the Republicans could lose. They could both lose as being part a party to this. You know, the the, the Republicans could take could be um, considered to be the cause of it uh, because you know they refused to pass this you know this uh, raising of the debt ceiling. The Democrats were refusing to negotiate about this health care bill bill. Um, and if they both take damage, then maybe some third parties start to rise up and and take some. Um, you get some political. So, so in an, I don't know. In an extreme scenario, let's say it, it lasted six months, mm -hmm. it could like change the shape of American government. Sure. Huh. I mean, it's never happened before. I don't think the longest was like during the Clinton administration. It happened like, you know, it was like 21 days or something like that. I mean, I don't, th I mean, I think all this stuff will end probably within a couple of weeks. I mean, all, all these politicians are very sensitive to what the people in their districts and in their state think are saying and as soon as there's enough pressure on them because people are feeling a lot of financial pain because the fact that certain government government agencies that are necessary for business to transact because they're regulatory bodies or they approve certain they have to approve things or, or whatever it is 
and that just starts obstructing business and people start getting pissed off and and then they'll be like and the people who who are going to flinch first are gonna okay i think i understand it so is, is there any um dark but side i'm just to saying it? no but i'm just saying that like I, I mean, I think they both have points, right? I mean, right. it's like, you know, it's not like there's any, it's, I don't think there's, um, you, you, you can't look at the Republicans and say, hey, trying to keep the government from incurring, in, you know, this unending spiral of debt is fundamentally wrong, right? That's like your dad coming and saying, we are not spending any more money on this and we are going to start saving some money, right? It's like an adult conversation. But they're not really, sa- I mean, they're not really saying that. They are saying that. That's what the whole conversation is about. No, because convers- whenever I read it in a paper, it's it, like it, it, there's there's no mention of that. They're just basically saying, "Oh, you know, that it's the chicken thing that you described rather than." Well, that's the- because it's that's because a lot of times what happens, and and it's just something I talk to you about all the time. When the news covers politics, they don't actually talk about what's actually at issue. They talk about the um, political machinations and the uh, the horse race. They don't actually talk about the issue. The issues are debt ceiling, Obamacare. That's a, that's actually another thing um, that I find weird. Like, I thought that Obamacare had already passed. Like, why? How is this a thing now? I mean, I, in UK, if something passes into law, it's it's kind of in law. That well, it still has to be implemented, right? So just because something has been passed at some sort of superficial level, it takes a you know, it's especially something as sweeping as Obamacare. It has to be. Um, all the all the very the regulations and and sub regulations and everything has to be uh, written and approved and authorized and <laughs> implemented and you know and it's like like it's not like and then he said let there be light you know and there's like you know this all this stuff has to happen it takes it took a, it's taken you know years for the, all this stuff to kind of um, but I mean people are signing up for Obamacare well just now right exactly so. Well, that's the, that's what I don't understand. If if there's if there's tech out there, they've built systems. People are signing up for Obamacare. Why does the government have anything to do with it anymore? Like, how can they stop it from happening when it's already happening? How can they stop? Well, what what the Re- Republicans want is they want to um, they want to use the leverage in this debt ceiling negotiation to force the Obama administration to repealing. Certain or at least defunding certain aspects. Oh, they're trying of to change. I, okay, so like, they're trying to change. Okay, we can't pass a change a law now, but what we're going to make you do is we're going to make you not have the funds for these aspects of Obamacare. We're going to try and pull it back, and, and the, the, the the Republicans to a large degree would like to see Obamacare fall flat on its face, fail, not prove financially solvent, so that it it, it has to sort of be re- either severely amended or repealed. Okay. Any any dark side to all of this? No, actually, you know, I I sort of was like this week. I'll just um, you know, skip the skip the dark sides. Okay, we've, we've done a lot of it lately, and all right. Well, I've, listen, apologies to any listeners if that started off too political. I was just curious about those two questions, but Jason has uh, fully answered as far as I'm concerned, just to to solve my own uh, curiosity. I mean, so I mean, again, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, so I'm not trying to take out a side. I'm just saying that since you seem to not understand the, what the Republicans' perspective on this was. I was trying to lay their side out so that it'd be a little more... No, it's good. It's definitely not... It's like in any of this, the articles that I've read, that it hasn't 
explained it in that depth. It hasn't really hasn't really spoken about the deck's debt ceiling. It's just spoken about the chicken aspects. <laughs> like fun. Well, that's the thing. If you watch MSNBC <laughs> or Fox or CNN during like these political races, they never talk about the issues. They just talk about who has what states and how they're communicating with the potential voters. They never actually talk about the issues. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. They just, we just talk around it. Have you ever talked to people who never actually say anything? They just talk around stuff and it's just so irritating. You're like, dude, you just say, just say it, <laughs> you yeah. know, just say what you want to say. And that's kind of what um, our political journalism is like. And that's why someone who like yourself is even from this country and is only vaguely paying attention is totally like unaware of what the core issue is. Like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. No, but, I mean, because basically all the headlines are that, I, that I'm seeing coming into my newsfeed is, you know, world about to go into global recession because Republicans won't sign this thing over. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's that's the impression that that I guess is, I don't know, is, is Google News curating it that way or? I don't know. Maybe it's just the ones that you're, I mean, those are the most, um, uh, what do they call, uh, sensationalist. Right, you know, right. They come and... Um, you know, I don't know. Again, it's just, it's the way journalists, the way the media outlets make money is they write sensationalist headlines and they focus on things uh, like that and it gets attention. That's why you're reading it because you got the attention. I guess it goes to show that that you're correct in the fact that the Republicans could get a bad rep unless they, they're getting a bad rep in a sense. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of depends. I mean, r- really what's important is thinking what the independents think because the Democrats are always going to side with the Democrats. Republicans are always going to side with the Republicans. They're partisans. The people who are partisan, the people who vote who are really hardcore Republicans are never, ever going to vote for the Democrats and vice versa. The hardcore Democrats are never going to vote for Republicans. It's the people who are kind of, who are not, who are less political, more in the middle of the spectrum, mm. who aren't, don't necessarily think of themselves as really affiliated with swing either vote. party. They might vote Republican sometimes. They might vote for, yeah, the swing vote. They're the people that they're all are being plagued to. And those are the people like, but the end of, there isn't even an election happening right now. So, well, there's why? always an election happening. It's every two years. There's another election. It's, it's a, you know, there's there's some kind of election happening, and they're huh. always thinking about the next election. Everything these politicians do, or the vast majority of things they do, is really about the next election, setting themselves up for the next election. I mean, you know, um, it, like you know, things like you know, Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. That was about the next election. The reason she's not Secretary of State is about getting ready for the next election. Why Kerry is. What Kerry was doing with Syria, what he's doing around, where he's in or out of Secretary, it's all about his, he's going to run, probably. And it's all, these people don't do things without thinking about being elected or re-elected huh. or their party being elected or w- winning, winning, um, you know, uh, winning favor for their party or making their party stronger or whatever. I mean, it's all, it's all, it's all about. So that's like, you know, they talk about like, there's one op- metric that's being optimized in your company whether it's <laughs> revenue or user whatever there's one or other it's like you know the primary thing is votes what do they what do they do then like what for example would obama do or, or what does clinton do once they've they've finished their run as president they've had their power then what do they do they just go on a speaking tour and make a ton of money i think i just read that the Clintons are now worth north of like 300 million dollars hmm. and they were near bankrupt um i think at the whole um Oh, God, when uh, Ken Starr was coming after him for the whole Monica Lewinsky stuff. And I think you know, they had a lot of legal bills. And, you know, I think they had money. They were probably worth like, you know, $10 million or something in that range. And then I think that they became under, they became under a lot of, they came under a lot of financial strain as a result of that. And, and uh, anyway, but these ex-presidents, they go on these speaking tours. Yeah. I mean, they're speaking, they make like a million dollars in speaking gauge or something crazy. Wow. So... 
they trot around the country and they give a talk to this group or that group and they get paid. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's not quite a million, maybe it's, you know, half a million or a quarter, but I mean, they make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to give that many talks, you know, and you're just, and these, these people just become incredibly wealthy. It's like better than any food consulting rates. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Had <laughs> <laughs> a few zeros on there. So let's, uh, let's get out of politics. Yeah, I was funny. I was thinking I'm not going to talk about politics or anything. Yeah, the first thing you opened with. <laughs> Jeez. So let's, um, let's, cut to, uh, let's cut to something really light. So you remember how we used to talk about the, uh, remember I've, I mentioned before on the show Limitless, that movie Limitless? That oh, and with the NZT. Yeah, I took the NZT drug and it gave him like a thousand IQ and then yep. the whole thing. Well, they're coming out with a TV show. Oh, really? Yeah, Limitless, the TV show, whatever. And it's being, yeah, it's being adapted. And Bradley Cooper is like a, one of the producers, executive producer or something like that. That's that's cool. Um, I actually have something to say about that. Um, I, another thing that came up in my Google News feed was um, a discussion about dissecting Einstein's brain. Why, you know, why is Einstein so clever? Mm-hmm. So the reason, the, 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 the current theory that they think is because he had a lot of, I've forgotten the name of it, corpus column or something. Anyway, it's the thing in the middle of the brain that connects both sides. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot of connections between both sides of his brain, mm-hmm. right? Have you, had you heard that already? I'd, I had heard things like that, yeah. So data could flow. I mean, that's not a new theory. That's been around for a little while. Yeah. Right. So data flows really freely between the both sides of the brain. Fiber optic connections. So I did a little bit of research. And I was like, is it possible to grow that, mm-hmm. right? And it is. And, okay. and where and where that comes from is um, from when you're a, a baby and you you know you start crawling. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's it's like the right hand side of the brain controlling the left leg, the left hand side of the brain controlling the right leg. Mm-hmm. And if you are ambidextrous, ambidextrous people ha- have about twenty percent more connections between the two sides of the brain okay. than someone who just uses the right hand. So you can do things like start using the, your non-dominant hand to to use the mouse. You know, right. So that would as like, an adult you can yeah as an second. adult right yeah it, it never it never stops it, uh, that connections never stop being made now do are ambidextrous people do they have a uh, measurably higher IQ on average I don't know about that that would be the real I don't know question, about that right I mean if ambidextrous people <laughs> have a twenty IQ points higher on average you'd be like wow I got to work on this but if they don't if they're not any smarter on average then if their IQ isn't any any higher on average then really doesn't make any difference I guess. Yeah, that would be so well anyway if you want to grow those connections one thing you can do is to start uh using your non-dominant hand for or your non-dominant side of your body for activities another thing you can do is practice they say that if you if you practice what they call crosswalking mm-hmm. it's that same thing so like um practice basically doing stuff in that way so you'll like you'll raise your like this like so you raise the right hand raise your left leg so in so, the, so in the quest for becoming smarter you're going to look like a moron yeah is that what you're telling me? <laughs> but basically apparently that you know that that just adds more connections between the two sides of the brain so why don't you take an iq test now <laughs> like the next couple of days do that for six months and come back and let's see if you can score higher on your iq test well i'm not saying i'm gonna do it i'm just putting it out there <laughs> as a response it, it, you said, in fact, we had, we had a discussion the other day where you said, you know, sometimes when I bring things up on the show, you just go, huh. And it would make <laughs> the show much better if you had something to say about it. <laughs> so now I've got something to say about it and you just, you don't seem impressed. I, I think it's a good topic. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I've, so I, I just read the other night, there was a story about how um, 
it was about the genetics, being finding a genetic links for IQ, and so they had um, they had isolated like a certain number of, of of genetic sequences, thinking that they had some correlation to IQ. Mm-hmm. So people had these encodings at higher IQs. People who had these other ones had lower IQs. Whatever. Turns out that they went through them and they none of them played out, played any importance. Hmm. So <clears throat> unfortunately, it looks like IQ is going to be much harder to um, to select for in terms of at least in terms of genetics sequences that it might be incredible it might be this incredibly complex interaction of genes and it might just be lots of different ways that they can combine to make somebody smart which would only make sense you know because it's like the example I might use or analogy I might use is like if you look at like great athletes and you say well and if you watch professional sports there's so many different kinds of great athletes some are great because they're really quick, really fast. Some are because they're really strong. Some because they have great hand-eye coordination. Some are tall. Some are large. Some are average size, but they're really aggressive. And great. I mean, they have just so many different ways that their um, abilities, their physical abilities come together to make them exceptional. That they don't even look or, or move the same way. You know, you can find some person who's an amazing center so, in basketball, another guy who's a cornerback in football, another one's a tennis player, and you, you know, even look like the t- same type of human being. So you're, you're thinking, from a fractal point of view, that points to the fact that our brain is probably, different people's brains are wired differently, and that makes them a genius in a different kind of a way. Yeah, like they, they all come together, and like they're, 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 everybody's brains work a little differently, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, you have certain type of people who are similar ty- have similar types of brains, just like an athlete, athletic-wise, you go like, you see an athlete who's like a, a cornerback in the NFL, and he's like 5'10", uh, you know, 170 pounds, runs a 4'3", 40, and then you see another guy as a cornerback, and he's like a similar kind of athlete, right? Mm-hmm. He's real hot, a lot of quick twitch muscle, really quick, not that big, you know, that kind of really agile. You're like, okay, there are other athletes like him, mm-hmm. right? And just like you have a certain types of intelligence, certain people who have um, certain ability for ge- uh, geospatial manipulation, or they can. Certain people have um, who have a lot of working memory in the brain, and they can just solve complex equations in the brain without even using paper. And some people, who, there are people who can synthesize lots of different ideas in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And so it's like they have different types of like mental athletes in a way, different types of um, different ways of, of achieving um, exceptional, um, essential mental ability, I guess, mm. you know, you just have, and if you've met, if you think back at some of the smartest people you've known, you're like, you know, actually their brains all worked a little differently. Now I think about it, like how they solve problems, how they looked at new ideas, how they came up with stuff. So basically point. it's going to be hard to come up with a pill that, that really makes everyone smarter. I mean, I, I don't I know, which, I mean, it's not, I don't think that's probably news to anybody. Like, yeah. it's not gonna, it ain't going to be easy. <laughs> you right. know, unfortunately, like I wish I could take my, uh, my smart juice every morning and, <laughs> you know, my smart pill and get like, you know, an extra 30 IQ points. But, all right. Um, you know, well, I, but, uh, but for example, I don't know, fish oil, like they say, if you take omega three, it just helps the connections work better in your brain. Who's they anyway? Oh, you know, <laughs> they. <laughs> Who's they? First of all, that's suspect. Whoever they is, they, they say a lot of stuff. <laughs> so, so they, so you, there are, apparently there are some things that can help. Generally speaking, maybe. All right, fair enough. Maybe. Well, you know, <clears throat> two things I want to bring up. One was um, I was just reading an article last night. Um, I don't even have the link here, um, but the guy was talking about how he 
faked the arsenic DNA paper. Do you remember that? No. We talked about that like Remind me? a year and a half ago where they were saying that they found some weird type of bacteria or some microorganism that was at the bottom of some lake that was up in like these up on top of a mountain that was like this incredibly acidic lake or something and and it was at a really high temperature or something and, and the and the and the DNA that they had actually wasn't using like phosphorus or something, it was using arsenic. Huh. Do you remember that? I vaguely do, yeah. Yeah, and people are like, wow. So like if DNA different kinds of life be formed yeah. with different types of of elements then, you know, life what does that say about space, life yeah. in the universe? What yeah. does that mean? Like, are there different categories of life or beyond just the categories the way we understand them? And um, this guy was like, yeah, I faked it. He first starts talking about how he faked it. I guess he's a, he's a scientist. It, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't. I don't, I'll put a link to it, though. I'll try and find it. But he said, but they said, oh, actually, I didn't fake it, but I could have. And the guy, it, it turns out that the, um, the science, it was really shoddy. The, their peer review was almost nil. Like there were crappy experiments or the obvious experiments that the guy sh- that they should have done to demonstrate something was true or not true weren't done. And so he did fake it or he didn't fake no, it? No, he didn't. But he said that he was just as a joke. But he's like, you could have faked this because there essentially no peer review happened. And it was about the study. It was talking about how these journals, all these scientific journals, uh, like Elsevier, your previous employer, yeah. claim to have this. Oh, we have this very high quality peer-reviewed process that makes all of our articles, our scientific articles in our journals are of the highest quality and the science is, you know, at the um, the top notch. And it turns out that in a lot of cases, it's just kind of crap. That the peer review sometimes doesn't really happen. Or if it does happen, it's kind of half-assed because the people don't have a lot of time to review it. It's only like two or three, like three reviewers. And that, so they may not even spend that much time doing it, even if they do really do it. But then what's problem is, and the guy was talking about, he was sort of comparing open access journals versus closed source commercial journals, is that then it becomes like this paper that was done and it's set in time forever, hmm. right? As opposed to if it was, uh, if it was, on, a, if it was on the web, right? Evolving. It was, evolve. Like yeah. people constantly say, actually, come back, this is not true. And it starts to say these journals, and it's, it's more of an evolving living document as opposed to this thing that was set in stone that has a certain amount of credibility and... It may have been debunked later by other scientists, or proven not to not to hold water. But it, it, it's harder to. It's get almost like thing. you could have a system like um, Stack Overflow, yeah. that actually had the number of points of credibility that that thing had at any given time. Based exactly. On, yeah. yeah, and I think there 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 have been there are efforts to do things like that. In fact, I have a domain. I always thought it would be cool to do something. I have the domain openproblem.com. Oh, right. Which I thought would be perfect for something like that. Oh, nice. I always wanted to, it was like, you know, you, you deserve a domain. You're always like, this is I, this project I'm going to do someday. And an open problem would be the How perfect. many of those kind of domains do you have? <sighs> I have a few that did, did my two best. Uh, uh, two that I like a lot are openproblem.com and signalcast.com. Yeah. Signalcast. I always let, thought that was cool. There's a few others I'm blanking on, but there's a, just a few. I don't like hoard hundreds, but there's a handful that I hold on to like one day. I want to do something with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of the whole, um, IQ thing, yeah. um, well, actually before I get to that, the one thing I will say, uh, he talked about in this article about the reproducibility project. Remember we talked about, about uh, we might have some the show maybe a year ago about how a lot of the, um, the scientific literature or the, the, the studies that have been done, especially in psychology turned out not to be reproducible at all. Right, like yeah. 60% or 80%, some huge number of them. Like they spot 
checked it. Like they just picked a bunch of articles from random articles with over the last, you know, something like five or 10 years from all the different major journals, tried to reproduce them and they can only reproduce like so 30% these, or something. And, this, and these are the kind of things that go into the common literature. It's like they, the kind of true. things like, you know, we tested a hundred people, we put them in a room, they didn't eat anything for, for 30 minutes. And then they walked down a corridor past a, past a cookie cart and they grabbed cookies. So we found out that you yeah. know, thirty out of a hundred always took the cookie first time, or something like exactly. that. Will, willpower things, yeah. And the kind of stuff that end up in, um, in you know, in articles. What was it, Malcolm Gladwell books and articles? Oh, really? I mean, I'm not saying yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I mean, but that kind of this, this, these, this popularization of scientific research. And what's particularly interesting to people, the kind of stuff that like Malcolm Gladwell does a lot of discussion on is the uh, is the in, is in the area of uh, psychological research yeah which is a lot of it is just not reproducible you know which you'd think because in, in in the in the world of like say physics or something if you if you go they do some nuclear accelerator and they say hey we found some new particles i mean or we did x y and z i mean they that is not necessarily proven i mean they they do you know other other research labs that reproduce that stuff but it's you, a, they don't do that in psychology psychology seems to be much looser lower standards when the problem is, is that stuff is the kind of stuff that impacts people's ideas about how people in the world work and they make decisions off this. Well, we know people work this way, so this is how we're going to do our marketing campaign, or this is how we're going to do our user interface, or this is how we're going to do X, because this is what people do, because, you know, and I'm not just making it up. There's a paper about that. Well, that what, paper could be just flat out wrong. Well, what would be the the solution to, to, to basically do the same thing they do in science, like get people to replicate it? Well, psychology is theoretically a science. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you talk. I mean, it is a science. It's not. I don't think it's at the same level as physics. Um, I'm sure psychologists or anyone who's listening to us who might take a little bit of offense, but you know, um, regardless, it needs to be held to higher standards. But you know, all you know, and just like this guy was saying, I mean, this, this paper about arsenic. I mean, that's biology. That needs that stuff needs to be held to higher standards. I mean, you know, when you when you have low standards in science, I mean, it just impacts everything. You, things lose credibility and. Um, you come out that it's just wasted money and effort on a lot of things because people think things are true that aren't true at all and, and they do things that are ineffective. Drugs, and I think this, this is, there's been a lot of evidence to show that's happened in, with a lot of drugs and a lot of medical procedures are, are pressed because the, the studies are done on, on, on sample, si- sample sizes that are just way too small and, uh, and then they come out and they extrapolate and say, well, this procedure works or that procedure works and and uh, and they just do it, and it turns out later, like, oh, well, it turns out that doing nothing would have been just as just as helpful or whatever. But you know, I don't have any data at hand, and, uh, on hand, so I can't point to articles. But have you? Can I change the subject? Yeah. Have you started watching Breaking Bad yet? Um, ha- we're half. We stalled out halfway through season two. So you know, Breaking Bad finished. Yeah. Do not give away any spoilers, because not only. Yeah, have I watched the rest of it? I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who have it. I'm maybe on their. I'm not going to give away any spoilers. The only thing I can tell you is it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Like the ending is just perfect. Yeah. Um. So I would recommend like that. That where you stalled out sounds like where I stalled out. There is kind of a point where you like he. It's just a bit too much or something. I don't know. He, like you just. It's just. It's depressing. Yeah. It's it's depressing, right? <laughs> he, yeah. He, I got a little depressed. Just he gets so like, bad. Yeah, it just it got to the point where I was just sort of like it wasn't like it was so bad; it was just depressing, you know, the mm. cancer and everything, and and the the strife at home and everything. I mean, it just it's just like depressing. And you're just like, I feel every time I watch this, I feel bad. Like I'm not in a good mood. I'm just feel stressed and kind of bad. 
you know, as opposed to like... It's not feel good. It's not no. feel good, no. But there's certain types of shows um, where it's not like it's a happy show, but it doesn't cause me the same kind of stress or does that kind of negative. Like if I watch the walking dead, I mean, it's a post apocalyptic nightmare, but right? it doesn't, you don't get so yeah, I get adrenaline. Like, you know, I can't go to sleep afterwards. My adrenaline is going, but I don't feel kind of like stressed. Like I used to, when I watched the Sopranos and those people were constantly screwing each other over and self-destructing it just made me feel ill. It is kind of similar in that sense. Yeah. Actually, I had a show. That, have you seen falling skies? Yeah, with old Noah Wiley, who's from ER. Yeah, I, I, I've watched like two, half of a couple episodes over time. I haven't watched the show. I don't Because really I think it really reminds me of Walking Dead. I looked at it. It's not the same quality, though. It's, no, it's, it's, it's not. Like, it's like Defiance or Revolution. It's just kind of, um, I mean, it, it's like, okay, on the, uh, on the IMDb scale, it would be in the six, like, like a 6.4. It's what not... It's not like an eight something or it's not like a the no, wire no, or bracking bad or something that's just incredibly realistic and incredibly um, engaging. It's well, okay. What do you think of Revolution? I watched like two episodes and I was dumb. I tried. It's like one of the shows I wanted to like. Yeah. I really wanted to like. I mean, you know, it's like something to watch. You're always looking for a show. Like, I hope I can. I hope they, like, you, you really come <laughs> up with a really positive attitude because you're like, I just want a few really great shows I'm excited about. You know, they, like at the end of the day, after you've you know when you're eating dinner or whatever and you just i just want to just relax and, and you know a moment escapism and you're looking for a show like that and then a lot of them just are disappointing i just like you know like defiance i've told you about defiance which is like gilmore girl with aliens and death i think you should give falling skies another chance go back to the, go back to the first few episodes and just force yourself to watch three episodes mm-hmm. and then no it's not as good quality as as the other shows but it's it's a, of a similar ilk so if you like that kind of show, it could be your friend for a while, you know. Yeah, we did that with Defiance. You know, every oh, you time we show, every time we're watching, we're like, I guess I could watch another one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, it's kind of dumb. You know, it's all right. The characters are okay. The story's kind of meandering. It's just, right. it's just kind of whatever. I mean, it's just like there's nothing else. Let's do that. Or House Hunters, <laughs> you know, or just something stupid like some HGTV thing. And my wife has recorded. She's like, "What well, do you want to watch?" You know, international house hunters, like, not really. All right. <laughs> like, all right, fine, watch, I'll watch it. Or, or uh, you know, whatever. I think says. the thing about Breaking Bad, though, is it's kind of, it's it kind of raises the bar for these kind of shows. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's like moments where they kind of, I, I don't know, like they'll, they'll use images to kind of foreshadow. Like, it's all so tightly integrated. I don't know, like, maybe they'll show a spider going across the desert as mm-hmm. the show opens. Mm-hmm. And then they'll tie, something. they'll tie that back in as well later, you know. Um, it's just, oh, God, it's just such a good, so well written. Well, like, Sopranos, I think, was on Open the Door to that, right? The HBO came out with Sopranos yeah. back, like, when was that, like, eight I haven't seen, ago? I haven't watched Sopranos. Really? Yeah. Well, that was the first of the of the big, like, non-network TV shows that just changed all the rules it was so much uh it was it was so much higher quality there was no obvious good guys and obvious bad guys you know like you watch like this law and order or ncis or whatever it's like you know it's obvious good guys and bad guys and they're kind of flat and it's kind of silly and it's kind of contrived but you kind of can watch it, it's okay 
But then you watch them like Sopranos, you're like, I don't know if I like this guy or I, or I, or I hate this guy. And then once you're like, I kind of like him, like, I hate him. Like, that guy's an ass, you know? <laughs> it's like, you can't. It's complicated. It's like real life, right? Yeah, Except yeah. these people are worse than normal people by a by, by a, quite a margin. But it's still like people are just kind of all in the gray area. Did you see any discussion about the Netflix effect on Breaking Bad, for example? How the last episode, like, it, it blew all expectations out of the water. Like, they had 10 million viewers for the last episode. Well, I think I read that, like, in the last week or the weekend before the premiere, like, there was this huge upsurge of people watching all the past yeah the back episodes on that getting caught up yeah yeah no it's it's amazing yeah and so yeah so basically and and the show kind of started off and it 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 just wasn't really that big but then people like me were telling other people look you know you really got to give this a chance just watch three episodes really try this and that happened a lot and then a lot of people caught up on netflix to the point where you had 10 million people watching the closing show i think they were saying the uh, you know the numbers on that on that network are like normally two million or something so it like blew them out of the water. Yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing the same thing with Walking Dead. So the Walking Dead um, was small and it just grew. It was the same thing. It grew word of mouth. And I remember the, it's, its finale or something at the end of last year beat American Idol. <laughs> and it's like, now I think that, I thought I read somewhere, I, I have to double check the numbers, but it said that it's now the most popular show on TV. But I think that, I think that uh, they were also talking about the fact that TV executives are going to like have to change the way they think about ratings because like like for example uh stargate was it su one uh, Stargate universe yeah like that was a great show right uh-huh. if they had just kept that going they could have had this similar kind of scenario if they just kept it going got a bit a bit better with it well it did have a good three or four year run i mean it was good it wasn't that good right i mean it was good it was good enough for it cleared the bar for us because we like that sci-fi yeah. stuff but it was no Breaking Bad or Walking no, that's Dead, true. right? I mean, it was it was still maybe a seven out of ten. It was not an eight. I suppose Mad Men had this similar effect as well. So it's Mad so Men, it's like yeah. it's basically low, you know, the lower networks that don't have as much cash, FX, AMC, that are doing better sort of shows that then get this kind of slow surge. Well, I remember reading about like uh, this happened. You remember that movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yeah. That was one of those movies that started out and it had very limited uh, distribution and virtually no marketing budget. But because it was so good, it, the word of mouth carried it and it became this incredible financial blockbuster for the uh, producers <laughs> because it was just a great movie. You know, yeah. It was like, oh, you got to go see this cute movie. You know, this is so great. It's such a great little movie. Yeah. And uh, that's happened a, you know, a ton of times. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I think executives at these uh, studios, I mean... They're they're ultimately um, Excel jockeys. They're all just like, well, if we have they they keep trying to break down movies and TV shows into cat and by they're the genome that they look at are things that are measurable but aren't really have a lot to do with the quality of the story and the characters. It has to do with like, well, if we have such and such name this many um, named actors to carry it. Right. And we have, well, this genre is really hot. And with this demographic, and if we do this, so they kind of cut and slice it all these different ways to try and maximize, you know, how, how, you know, the, the revenue. But, you know, really, it, it almost always comes down to things that aren't measurable. Um, unfortunately, for people like us who like things quantitative, it's things just like story and character. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, things that have nothing to do with, you know, things that you can put in an Excel spreadsheet. And, but they keep wanting to do that because, you know, they work 
these studios are companies. They're revenue maximizing, profit maximizing entities. So they are in the business of minimizing risk and maximizing reward. And in the way that they model it is they try and come up with some estimate for what the risk and reward is going to be. And they say, well, these movies or these TV shows that were like this in these different ways and had this many characters and ran this many seasons, I mean, this many shows, had this time slot, the demographic, we can estimate that we can get a, you know, a viewership of X and we can sell these products for the advertisements and therefore we can make this much do you, money. Do you watch New Girl? No, but I heard it's pretty funny. Well, it, it, the first season was good, but then the second season just seems to Still on its face. suck. Yeah. But then there's this other show called The Minty Project. Do you ever hear of that? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. That's actually very good. That's that, I think that's the best comedy on TV. Well, I like but, the girl, right. Zoe, what's her face? Day Chanel. She yeah. is funny. She's funny, yeah, but... I always liked her when, she, when I first ever saw her was Failure to Launch. Remember that with Matthew McConaughey? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was hilarious in that one. Um, so I think another TV show that I wanted to bring up was uh, The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? No. Is it good? It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted it to be good. I was like... Oh. What's it? Know, what's his thing? What was the guy, Agent Carlson? Is that what's his name? I don't or, know. Or Coulson. Agent Coulson from the, the Avengers. Oh, yeah. The okay. Iron Man. Remember him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, <laughs> oh, it's it's a Marvel thing. Yeah, yeah. I remember okay. he comes to like this one favorite scene. He comes down to see uh, Tony Stark in his laboratory, mm-hmm. and he comes by and he's like, um, you know, he's coming by. He's like, I just I just came by to say goodbye. And he's like, bye. You know, mm. <laughs> yeah, Tony Stark's like, bye. And he's like, he's like, uh, you know, the um, shield. He's like, they need you. And he's like, more than you know. And he's like, not that much. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. Anyway, he's. Um, so he's in the show. He's he's playing the same character. He does a good job, but it's um it's again it's a little hokey. It's not it's not nearly as good as it could have been because Josh Whedon is mm-hmm. uh, directing, I believe, writing and directing for it, or at least directing. And uh, you know, I thought he did um, Firefly and Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah. and that Angel. Other stuff. Angel. Yeah. So um, there was a lot of um, hope that it would be great, and I don't know. I mean. It's 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 tongue in cheek, which is fine. I don't mind a sense of humor to it, but it's a it's a little um, yeah, it's a little hokey. I mean, Colby loves it. Yeah, you know, I could watch it. You know, so but it's not awesome. It's not like wow, this is the next great show. It's it's watchable if you like if you like superheroes and sci fi stuff. It's all right. I'm just thinking we should probably do do a tech story. Well, I don't know if I I don't really have a lot of tech stories. So yeah. okay, well just I just have just something different stuff. Should we do, should we talk about, about Catalyst? Well, I, you know, one one last thing I want to talk about. Two, I I get two more on the TV show stuff. Well, okay. I won't take too long. Take too long on it. But so, The Walking Dead returns October thirteenth. That's Sunday night. So, do you think it's worth me getting into Walking Dead? Yes, from the I've been telling you for like two years. It's fantastic. I guess I'll give it a go. Will you do it? I mean, I've me? I've I've, I've, I've the, I'm the, I'm in the same position that you are with Falling Scott. I, like I've I've watched a couple of episodes and it just hasn't. The first really... from the beginning. Yeah. You watch the you watch the pilot. I think so. I mean, I, I I can't remember to be honest. Go back to the beginning. Give it a shot. It's I'll give it I'll give it three 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 watches. Okay, three episodes. Fine. Okay, fine. And there's a new spinoff set for 2015. They're going to they're going to create a new group of people, a different part of the world. See what's hmm. going on. That's pretty cool. The um the other thing is uh, there was this hilarious uh, open letter to, or it's more of like an open letter in video form for uh, for. Um, Called "Making Star Wars Star Wars Great Again." Do you see that? No. <laughs> it's dearjjabrams.com, and it's really funny. But they have four major points. Is that first of all, Star Wars is not cute. 
It's not kid friendly. It is, you know, hardcore, right? And so the way you, way the, the way that it kind of got screwed up was like the Ewoks, and then, you know, was it um, what was that guy JJ Binks or what was his name? Um, J- uh, yeah, JJ. Uh, no, no, J. Um, the the yeah, yeah, Blinks. Yeah, yeah. No, it was something. You else. mean the 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 cute the guy with the fluffy ears? Yeah, like with that the, just the ears. It. Yeah, yeah. It's just the worst thing. Um, um, the thing is, it's not clean. Like the old version, it's like dirty. We'll call it immaculate filth, right? And like the Millennium Falcon and stuff is dirty, and things were. It's a secondhand universe. Like everything's kind of you know, but it's like it's realistic, right? Mm-hmm. That's how the world is. Yeah, that's how the universe is. Whereas, like the newer versions, everything was like clean. The spaceships were all clean and shiny, and it was. But Star Wars, we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about the Star Wars. But J.J. Abrams, but it was George Lucas. J.J. Abrams is doing the, the. He's taking over. Oh, so but so George Lucas screwed it up himself. Yeah. Even though he made the first one. The first one was really good. The second, I think, the best one was I think considered by Star Star Wars aficionados would be Empire Strikes Back. That was the hardest core one. Yeah. Right. Um, the the third was. It's on the frontier. It's not in the city. It's not in the library. It's not Parliament. It's it's the Badlands. It's the frontier. It's out there, right? <laughs> so you got to make. It, and the third one is the force is mysterious. Like you can't overexplain it. It's just part of the magic of <laughs> Star Wars. So it's uh, that was really interesting. Not cute. It's not clean. It's on the frontier, and the force is mysterious. That's how you make it great. And who wrote that? I don't know, but I loved it. I thought it was really entertaining to watch. It's really funny. <laughs> Um, nice. So there, I'm done with um, I'm done with TV with entertainment TV and. <sighs> do, do you have any tech stories? So let's talk. Why don't we jump into Catalyst for a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we had our first session of the year last week, and we had our second one last night. Yes. So the my new idea was to have the kids teach the kids this year how to build their own websites. And that we could roll that into um, maybe even developing their own web applications to some degree. Um, because we can start out, teach them HTML, CSS. Then we can start doing front-end uh, JavaScript. They can, you know, you click on a box and it turns from blue to green. Or they move stuff around, you know, all the mouse over, mouse down events kind of stuff. Um, and then we could uh, slowly transition that to maybe moving to their own VPS and moving code onto the server. And my initial idea was to start them on NeoCities, um, which is kind of the new GeoCities. So it's NeoCities.org. And um, first thing I'll say is last... Uh, oh, it, and I went down a list of all the things that I thought didn't work very well last year, what our biggest problems were. One was, number one was bandwidth. It was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Right, we had a constant problem with internet connectivity, and that caused any number of of disruptions and confusion and frustration or whatever. Right, the uh, the second pro- the second problem was me writing uh, the 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 entire development platform because then it was like that became the bottleneck. If I had time to work on it or add features or fix things, it were good. If we didn't, it was it it, it would cause problems. Of course, it caused took a lot of my time and caused a lot of stress for me. Um, the third was, uh, well, the third was I think that I didn't always have a, a very clear idea of what I wanted to accomplish on an individual session. I'd kind of wing it. And um, I think that that sometimes it worked okay and sometimes it didn't. And it just depended. And um, 
So those are, I mean, there were some other little things that I thought of, but that was like, a, that was the, there was a few things. I well, there was about. a straggler kid problem as well. Like people starting right three weeks in, you know, or six months in. Yeah. Six months in and, and then just all being at different places. That was a huge problem. Yeah. It was because it's like having people join a math class halfway through the year. Right. As opposed to jumping on your soccer team. You know, it's different. It's not the same thing. It's cumulative. Um, so I wanted to kind of fix those things. So mm. we came in last week and you had this new high powered, um, uh, hotspot. Yeah. What's it called? Cradle point. Cradle point. And that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the second thing is, um, what was the second issue I brought up? Um, oh, so I didn't bring, build my own software. Right. I said, let's just use NeoCities because NeoCities, you can create an account and then you go in there and just add new page, edit the page in the browser. Yeah, you don't even need an, an email address. You just go there, type in a username and create your web, your web I page. think you have to do an email address. Well, no, really? no, you don't. No, really? Just okay. go for it. Okay. So um, now NeoCities has some shortcomings. Like there were about half a dozen things that were really irritating me. Like you can't edit the name of the file. Right. Every time you open up, every time you create a new web page, it would have a bunch of crap boilerplate HTML in there. I mean, not just like, you know, a, a um, an empty body and an empty head with a insert title here. I mean, like there was a ton of bullshit. Let me that. guess. You were itching to build your own I was cities. dying to like, dude, this is, this is, this, 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 let me show you how this would be done. And but then I resisted. Well I resisted. done. I took, a, I took a deep breath. That's good. That's good. That's you know, good Sandy done. shook me off. I said, should I? She's like, don't even think about it. Okay, good. <laughs> so I didn't do it. I said, we're just going to go with NeoCities despite its warts. Because even with its warts, it's something that I don't have to spend any time on. And my thought is, too, that I want to sooner rather than later get the kids onto their own individual VPS. So mm. this is just, a, this is just um, you know, something that we're going to do for six to eight weeks, you know, okay. right? So if, if there's things about it that aren't great, then fine. Because I found a VPS that is a dollar a month. And you can mm. set up their own. Z- I, I set up one already. And it's just like any other VPS. It's just, you know, it's 256 megs of RAM and it's kind of limited. But that's fine for uh, these websites. It'll be way more we need. So I thought last class went incredibly well. Would you yeah, think? the first one. Yeah. Very, I was, very on a high, I was on a high from it. Well, it went amazingly well. And um, the kids were super happy because they created websites that were then available to the real world. Mm-hmm. So obviously they did web pages like, you know, this is Colby's web page and Colby is the best kid in the world. And like, here's, link, Mar- here's a link to Marco's, here's a link lame, to Marco's lame, useless <laughs> website, you know? <laughs> and I love that stuff. And they can, and we were telling him like, all right, yeah, how to style, like, here's a paragraph, how to style it, you know, use different fonts, use different colors. And I get, and the other thing I do is I gave him two sheets of paper, one, which had three sample web uh, HTML pages you know, with just the, some simple examples of how things are done. And then another page which had a list of all the style attributes. Mm. So they could go on and change fonts and colors and positions and stuff. And they love the, the, they love the visual aspect of it. And they, lo- and they love that it was more of like an ongoing thing, like it was their project and invisible to the world. So that was, that was huge. And then Colby, actually, the, um, well, actually it was kind of interesting. So like after the class, do you remember at the end of class, um, Everyone else left. The only was just you and I and Colby. Mm-hmm. The only ones left. And Colby starts like hitting a table and banging his fist. And he's like really mad. And we're like, what's going on? And he had actually accidentally deleted his code. Yeah. And there was no one do. There was no one, no, you know, no. there was no versioning. So he, his entire lesson and his whole website was lost. 
right? So he was really pissed. He was very. And Colby yeah. never, ever cries. I mean, he is like, he is just not an emotional kid. And after I told him to quit hitting things and to just calm down and, you know, let us clean this up and we'll deal with it. And he went and laid down on the table and put his arm over his eye and then all of a sudden he starts crying a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of shocked. So yeah. You were definitely surprised. And and so I actually felt terrible. I was like, Colby, just, you know, take it easy. We'll, we'll, we'll sort it out. So when we went home and he had his dinner and I said, all right, as soon as you're after your dinner, I said, I'll sit down with you. You can sit next to me and tell me what was there and I'll just put it back for you. Okay. So he sits down and I'm like, Colby, why don't you scoot over? Let me sit there. And he's like, no, no, let me do it. And so then he does it. And then like 10 minutes, he had recreated the whole thing. Great. I'm like, well, I guess you don't need me. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know, good. good. And then I, I had I showed him a few new things and it was good. And then the next morning I was already up in San Francisco and Sandy calls me and she's like, so guess who was up at six in the morning working on their website? <laughs> so that was, that was great. You know what we should do? Why don't you put a link to Colby's website in the show notes? Sure. That would be, yeah, that'd be yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. And he has a link to a couple of Marcos and Sophie's yeah. and Liam's as well. And um, then I get an email from uh, Sophie's dad. And she said that he, or her mom, and she said that um, Sophie was up past her bedtime working on her website. That the kids, you know, so there are a few of the kids were. Yeah, they liked it. Liked it. Um, I mean, and so, but we got back this week and not everyone had worked on their website. Even though I sent an email to the parents, I encourage them to to try and do a few things. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, I'm going to try and continue to give them stuff to try and do. Well, we've got some stragglers as well, and we've got kids at different levels. Yeah, so this last night's didn't go so well. So I give, I give last week's an A. This week's I give, I don't know, B minus. What would you say? C. C. What would you describe? What were the issues? Well, so the issue was that the, net, the cradle point didn't work as well. I, I've got no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> just it just makes no sense it was so amazing because it was funny the week before <laughs> when you were telling me about your crater i'm like that sounds awesome you're like oh and i'll bring it and i'm like should i bring the jetpacks back up you're like don't worry about it it worked fine i'm like are you sure maybe should bring it back you're like i'm telling you like it don't and it bring did it, it worked amazingly it. the first week right <laughs> this week this was second week it just didn't work yeah, thank god it's i like, had them on my backpack i would have uh, sucked but like what i just don't understand why i mean i guess it, it could it be weather i mean it was a bit it was cloudy no it was, no, it was not no I don't know. Uh, I I actually think that we should try and find a way to get a proper internet. Oh, and that place would cost a fortune. And then, it would? Oh, yeah. To get like wired internet connection in there. Well, once, uh, you would 30 bucks a month, Comcast. Oh, we could talk to it. I don't know. Maybe we could look into it. But I mean, the cradle point, oh, dude, it's frustrating. <laughs> it should be a solved problem. Like, yeah, it should be a solved problem. Totally. It's I mean, like electricity should not be going out in the middle of the day, right? It's like, this is solved. Yeah. We're, we're 2013 here. Like, why is this an issue that we can't have a bandwidth for 10 kids? I mean, I plugged in a jetpack and, and tried to use it for five minutes. There was not like, it, it said it was connected. Five minutes, there was nothing. Like, you couldn't even use that jetpack. So... I don't know what was going on. And then stuff started working and then it was very slow. So that was the first issue anyway. And then the second issue is, is we have, we had a, a couple of new kids coming in, which we said we weren't going to do. Like well, kids well, shouldn't, kids should just, we said all the kids are going to be there from day one or nothing. Yeah. So the, well, what I had said, what I meant was that I'm not going to have, I'm not going to add kids like a month or two in because if, if kids are going to get sick, they're going to have, um, you know, the, the parents go vacation for a week. You I mean, you can't, you, it's not like you can say you can't ever miss a class. The other I mean, problem is, realistic. is, but what we had is Niall wasn't there last week, and then Ian and Grant weren't there this week. Not all the kids are 
at the, at the same level. So that's frustrating because you it's like you're talking to some kids how to spell cat. Mm-hmm. I'm just if, if if it was doing English, it's like mm-hmm. we, you know some kids are just learning how to spell cat and they they're not able to do it. And other kids are like learning how to spell disgruntled, you know, like, right. and they totally know how to do it. And so it's like with such a different level of um, expertise, that makes it tough to teach. It so is. basically I'm teaching them. I'm working with the stragglers. I'm working with the stragglers and, and you're working with the other ones. So I got the alpha geeks, Marco, Colby, Liam and Riley. And it's the problem with those guys is, you know, like in a classroom, usually you have like, the really bright kids are kind of quiet and keep them to pay attention. And then like the kids who aren't as bright or aren't as academic are the ones being, being disruptive and mm-hmm. you know, loud. And we have the opposite effect. <laughs> the alpha geek table are all like, you know, Marco's like, so let's talk about IP addresses or what about ports and Python? I'm like, Marco, <laughs> chill out. Like, let me just show you how to do an hyperlink. All right. He's like, why do I make an hyperlink open a new page? I'm like, Marco, how about you learn how to do a hyperlink to, the same page first. And then I'll show you, right? Like he keeps having ahead. Then um and then Liam goes off on tangents about like, wow, if you can hack into one computer, you can hack into all computers. And theoretically, he was on this crazy theoretical discussion, right? And then Colby's like, I already know how to do all this stuff. You guys are a bunch of dummies, you know. I you know, I'm ahead of you. You know, so they they're all like they all have these like these big egos, mm-hmm. right? And they all want to up one up one another and yeah. They it's so they're they're all kind of like these alpha geek um uh, narcissists or something <laughs> are they just it's like that's this is their poise to shine right mm-hmm. like this is this is where can i just drop my stuff which is exhausting for me because they're, they're all like jumping ahead or not listening or trying to do something really fancy and this not doing what they're supposed to do and meanwhile you're trying to get these other kids who can't get the simple stuff yeah so it's a little frustrating so we have to figure out we have to better manage the classroom i think one thing i'm gonna do is i'm gonna split up those four and eat four different tables so they, because when they're all together in this little one little area, they're having a blast, but they're being disruptive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think they might be able to help the the slower kids. Maybe we could pair them up, like one one of the higher achievers with. <sighs> I wonder if that'll work though, because every time I tell one kid to help another kid, they never help them. Yeah, I kept saying, "Sophie, you help Bora. Sophie, you help Bora." And she explained, it, and I come back ten minutes later, and Bora's doesn't learn anything. I'm like, "What are you guys doing?" I mean, you know. I, I think kids, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm not doing it right or if it's just when they talk about kids helping other kids, really you're talking about kids who are much older helping much younger kids. Or yeah, that's probably that what could it be the is. Case, or, yeah. But I'm not sure you can have one, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old kid help another 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old. I mean, that kid, I'm just not seeing it work very well. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I remember one time saying to saying to Grant and I just explained to him like how you know how to do something and so I said oh, will you will you show the class so he goes up to the top and he's like see well it's like this first of all you have the moon and the moon stars really the moon is really bright and then you have to start and he's like he just started speaking about something that was completely different to actually what we were right, discussing like, talking about so I don't know whether you can keep them on task they're difficult to keep on task when they're like 10 <laughs> they are tough it's tough well that's why a couple of the moms are like, well, can we bring in my, my, my son is eight? And I'm like, no. I'm oh, yeah, that was another learning, wasn't it? To, like, we had an age limit this I mean, time. Our, I mean, Colby is the bottom. He's, he's the, 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 we have. He, how uh, old is he, nine now? Yeah, so we have two fourth graders, Colby and Riley. And everybody else is in fifth, sixth, or seventh. And 
I'm making Colby the bottom. No way. You know, he's he's a young, like Riley's a year older than Colby. Colby has a really late birthday and he's the age of most third graders. So I'm like, that's it. I'm not dealing with any kids. I mean, I have to deal with Colby because he's my son, but I'm not dealing with any more, you know, kids that young because it's just, um, um, they're just harder to keep on task or whatever. Plus the other kids, they don't really get it. I mean, some kids just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw that yesterday, but they were just were like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard to just get. different. Yeah. It's just not in their not in their mindset. It's like it's like moving from um, MySQL to CouchDB, and, you, right. and and using MapReduce and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a big jump. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a mental jump. But you know, so we're, right now we're just showing them HTML and CSS. So you'd think that you could just it's kind of basic, but some kids still just don't have a really hard time with it. But I mean, it's like my daughter. I mean, yeah, it's like my daughter Izzy. My wife's been working with her math, and it is just hard. Yeah, and she just does not get it like Colby did. Yeah, so and she's used to Colby being a certain level, but she's dealing with, uh, she, you know, with Izzy. Even addition is a complex issue. Izzy is not going to be a math and science kid, right? She is not that kind. She is going to be probably one of your artsy kind of kids. And, and well, so, what was uh, Sandy like? Was she math and she science was, kid? Yeah, she was really good at math and physics and grad, grad, grad and, and majored in, in economics. So, so you're so both like that. that. That's obviously going to be frustrating to have a, have yeah. kids just think differently. Well, and Sandy was like, I wasn't. I was close to straight A's, not quite. I, I get occasional B here. That she was like flat out, never got anything in it. You know, like first, it just always gets the perfect score. Kind wow. of. She's like that, so she does not understand not getting an A. She does not understand not, you know, uh, just acing it and doing what you're doing it right and get it done. Like she's just was, that's, that's how she's built. Um, and where I was more like, I wasn't always like, you know, getting an A was like my, my top priority, but I was smart enough that I could get an A if I gave it some effort. And occasionally when I would kind of half-ass it, I get the occasional B, you know, I wasn't quite like as squared away as she was, but, um, I don't know. So, yeah. So, it's like we're with Colby. So, with Colby, we were a little spoiled in that sense because he just, he learned to read in preschool with no problem, without a whole lot of effort, and he's good at math. So, he's just got the... He's and got so, the, does is he get, like, Ds and stuff in math? <laughs> no, but occasionally, <laughs> he'll screw off, and, and Sandy's just like, you know, Colby. <laughs> no, no, it, but is he? No, he'll get, he doesn't is, always get an A because he doesn't try. Oh, so he'll, so he'll ace it in his homework and he'll come back with a B sometimes and Sandy okay. will just. But with, so but regarding Izzy and math. So Izzy, she, it's not a matter of, uh, it's just a matter of she doesn't really get it sometimes. Right. Or right. she gets it and then she forgets it and Sandy just is like so frustrated. So I don't know. It's, we're talking to her teacher and her, te- and her teacher's hilarious. Her teacher is amazing. And she's like, she's like, I have an Izzy. Not only is my daughter also named Izzy, she's just like Izzy. She's in <laughs> Izzy. She's like kind of off in her own little world, much sort of like kind of a little more artsy and free spirit and stuff and just kind of doing her own thing. <laughs> and she's like, so she's perfect to have as her teacher. Mm, that's great. And so she, we had a long con- uh, parent-teacher conference with her a couple weeks ago and she... Um, that's fine. It's she's just the kind of kid she is. She's just kind of kid. She's just, she's not going to be, you know, um, embracing or doing well in things like math and physics and chemistry. She's just not. We're Colby's, yeah, he just is, he's naturally good at that stuff. And so we just have to change our expectations. So it was so funny. So I was talking to our, our t- um, Izzy's teacher, Mrs. Mathiah, and it turns out we, we saw in the paper that her son was a national merit finalist or something like that, which is a really, really big deal. Right, yeah. And, and, uh, 
we were like, oh, congratulations. Because she had talked about how she's like, she has teenagers. She's like, I just love teenagers. My teenagers are great. I really enjoy having teenagers. And I was like, well, now we know why you love having teenager kids at National Spirit finalist for crying out loud, right? <laughs> it's not the like, you know? Yeah. And she, she's, she's laughing and she's like, tell us about how her daughter, you know, was like, said, well, I hope you don't expect me to, to do that to like, don't worry. <laughs> that was never in, in our thoughts. So it's okay. Because her, her daughter is at a um, performing arts You're right. school. It's like, you know, don't worry. <laughs> so, yeah, you just have different types of kids, you know. And you think it's funny, like, you think like, well, if both of her, her mom and her dad are a certain way, that the kid's obviously going to be that way. But, you know, I'm not sure what's going on with Ari. I don't know where she's going to fall. But we may only have one out of three. It's like we both have blonde hair and then only one of our kids has blonde hair. Like, You better have one out of three in what sense? One out of three that is math. Like a, kind of a math, math and science, science yeah. sort of, yeah. you know, that in that kind of world. It's just sort of, it's just surprising. That, that's interesting. You just think, oh, well, all our kids will be like this. It's like it's a double recessive, kind of like blonde hair, blue eyes. Like we have blonde hair, blue eyes. It's almost impossible for our kids not to have blonde hair, blue eyes. Mm-hmm. But obviously, as we just talked about, right, brains are much more complicated. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's just, you don't know what you're going to get. Well. But Colby is his own challenge, trust me. Colby's guys, his mom <laughs> called, has an attitude problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's a whole nother set of, set of issues. All right. So let's, um, let's talk about some other, oh. So, you know, I'm going to stay on the kid, kid thing for a second. I had a couple of kind of, um, kind of interesting things. So, um... One thing I got, I was really excited about, um, is, uh, or I'm not excited about it. So, what was it raining? Wow. Proper rain. Real rain. Wow. I feel like I'm in, uh, Southeast Asia or something. It's monsoon. Oh, it just feels like London to me. Is that it rain a lot in London? It does. It rains a fair bit. Huh. But it's nice. Cool. Makes you feel nurtured. So, you remember I, I, I told you about how, uh, Colby, was getting up i signed him up for private instruction in baseball so every sunday he'd do like a that was like a great one of one of the best hacks yeah done. life hacks yeah like you could sign him up for like you send him to camps or, or send or, or send him to like club travel teams that practice for three days a week and it's going to take a ton of time it's too much and, time and but and you not, just go once yeah. a week and you get like one-on-one instruction with an expert for like a half an hour to an yeah. hour it's just blows it away and um so in baseball like i said i think i mentioned He's he's since he started in April, he's just gone quantum leap. He's a completely different skill level, completely different kid, and um, and uh, so he just started football. And as it turns out, um, he's the quarterback. They made him the quarterback. Oh wow! Which is kind of cool. When you're a parent, it sounds silly, but it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like it, one thing it really sucks, and it's it seems really stupid. And but any parent when you talk to him will admit it. If your kid is the star, one of the stars, it's really fun. It feels really good to watch. When your kid is one of the worst ones on the team, it's really depressing right. and really frustrating. And I've been on both sides. I mean, Colby, Colby in basketball, for some reason, he get about a, his team would beat every other team by 40 points. So in most other teams, he would probably have been like the second best kid on the team, maybe. Not yeah. the star of the team, but he would have been one of the better kids. He was probably the second worst team kid on the team. Because <laughs> we had all these star, all-stars. And it just happened randomly. And it was frustrating. I was like, Colby, what are you doing? You know, Colby, quit. You know, these other kids, you're seeing them do stuff. You're like, it's just irritating to watch. But he's always loved football, right? He loves football, yeah. And so he, um, so right, so he's the the quarterback and also the safe, free safe. So he's he's kind of like the star. He's like, they have him, they put him, they can do everything. 
Yep. Either, either the quarterback or the running back or the safety or he even punted. And I actually started feeling bad because a lot of kids are sitting around and he never subbed out. But he subbed out one play on his own. He, he volunteered or maybe two plays. And um, so then you start feeling a little awkward. Like you just call me like, maybe you should sit out a little more. Because hate, you hate being with parents, your kids sitting out all the time. And yeah. it's like, why does that kid always get to be the pitcher? Why does that kid always pick? And usually it's like the coach's son, which makes it double irritating. Like, come on, man. So what? So do they play other teams now or is it yes okay yeah but i tell you it was so last week we had the um they had the um scrimmage whatever they're teaching them and it was so funny watching him so colby's the quarterback and it was just like when you see like on tv and you'll see like the 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 practice for like the pro teams and and you know he's like running the offense he's like you know put his hand on the shoulder of the other receivers do this like giving them instructions and telling them what to do i'm like what the hell is he even telling us people? He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> like, how does he? Well, I mean, it was just so funny. Like, it's like he'd done it for years. It was hilarious. I'm like a Sandy, like, what can he possibly be saying? Oh, like, hey, did you watch, you know, uh, Shield last night? I mean, what? <laughs> what do you have to say? But apparently he's telling all this stuff. So anyway, I just noticed that um, the, some of the other teams, the, the kids who were quarterback were like a year older than Colby and could throw a bit further. They had like a head taller and they were like, each one of them went like, you could tell that was the coach's son or mm-hmm. you could see him throwing with the, the coach beforehand. And you're like, okay, like that. So I'm like, okay, here we go again. We got to give Col- I Colby, like you got lucky in that you're, the coach's son isn't 10 and plays quarterback, you know? So you got lucky that you got put in the quarterback slot. So make the most of it. So I was thinking like, how can I get like in private instruction for quarterback? Just like, you know, think, I mean, don't make a big deal, but it'd be nice during season in one day a week for a half hour, hour, someone who really knows how to, you know, um, coach the quarterback position, how to do it right. Right. Cause I try and show him stuff and it's exasperating, you know, cause he doesn't listen to me and mm. argues with me about everything. And I'm just like, <laughs> so have you found someone? Well, it turns out I went to the baseball place and, and the guy who runs the academy, he's like 50 something and he's been doing it for years and he's an amazing baseball coach. And I said, Hey, is there anyone around the area that does kind of what you do for football? Because you know, I'm like, if I find a hack, I want to reproduce this hack. Yeah. You know? And he's like, he's like, he, he said, well, there's a guy, but he, you know, he coaches like high school, college age kids. It's pretty expensive and this and that. And he's like, you know, he's like, I can help you. I played quarterback in high school and in college. Hmm. I'm like, really? So the same guy. Same guy. And, he, and, I, and I was like, well, why don't we just for the short term, we'll just kind of either split the between baseball, half baseball, half football, or we'll just do, you know, football for a while since we're in season. And he's like, yeah. So he's working with Colby. Did you see if they already started? Yeah. Um, did you watch it? What was it like? The lesson? It was good. You know, I was working on a throwing form and like how to lead the receiver because receivers are running. Like little kids don't realize like I throw it to where you are, not where you're going to be in one or two seconds from now. Yeah. But that's how you have to anticipate where they're going, mm-hmm. which is a little different from baseball. Baseball is usually throwing to someone who's standing on a base. Yeah. So you have to teach them that. You know, so is it the case where Colby is like exponentially better at, at football than he is at anything else? Like just naturally just from a genetic point of view and just the way that he's all set up. I don't know. Maybe not. Ex- I mean, he's more built towards baseball and football because, um, he's, he's kind of like, you know, he's powerful. Like he's right. like explosive and quick, mm-hmm. but he's, he's like, there's some kids who are thinner and they can just like run. They're quick like Kobe, but they're thinner and they can just run forever. Does he prefer football? He, he does. Football, like, is football his favorite game or baseball? Uh, I think he likes football, baseball, basketball about the same. Oh, okay. I mean, it depends. Like sometimes I ask him and he kind of just goes back and forth. I think he likes them all. It just depends. Sometimes he's bored of one and, or not bored, but he's like, another one's, he hasn't been doing as much. So he's like a little more into it. Yeah. But okay. he loves, like you get him out there and it's like puppy dogs. Like he's like, 
you know, like Bunter was staying around, he just like launches into three of them and dog piles. I'm like, dog, you know, he's like, you could tell they are just having a blast, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you love watching it. I mean, that's my favorite thing to do on Saturday morning is you go watch a football game. I mean, it's just super fun. Nice. But, uh, and one last Colby thing I'll talk about. I guess it'll be the Colby show. <laughs> so Colby, did I tell you about his birthday party? No. So he said what he wanted for his birthday party was a limo ride to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> where, did he, where did he come up with that from well it turns out that there there was some sort of like money raising they always have these um <laughs> they always have these fundraising campaigns at the schools yeah and it's like they do like boy scouts and girl scouts and stuff like you sell cookies or you you bring in lots of recycling or they had like a box top thing like you could bring in and the kid who brought in the most would get a free trip to disneyland or one would be a one was like a limo ride to Chuck E. Cheese. Huh. And Colby's like, that is awesome. That's the coolest thing That's I've ever cool heard of. So he, I guess he realized that he wasn't going to win that thing. And so he, he asked Sandy for that for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and Sandy's like, you know what your dad does for a living, right? <laughs> She's like, I believe I can hook that up. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was just a handful of kids. We did Marco and Liam mm-hmm. and, um, and his buddy Mock over and uh, we rented a, uh, we, we, I used Uber and called on an Uber SUV. So we had like a, I think on the way over we had like a Navigator and then the ta- Lincoln Navigator and then was an, a, a kind of like Escalade, big black new SUV. And they had like the, each had their own TV screen. And the guy <laughs> in the suit gets out of open stuff. I mean, they are just like. So the kids, so Colby liked it. Oh, man, they were going nuts in the car. I, first I was like, well, why don't we let them ride with the guy and I'll, and I'll ride with you. After she's like, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you better be in the car yeah, with them. Yeah. So I did. I, I sat in the front seat and I had to constantly be like, guys, guys, take it easy. I mean, they were just losing it. There was, <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was like a bunch of guys at like a, like a bachelor party. I mean, they were. Fast forward 10 years and it's going to be like, you oh, know, pro, it's going to be prom. <laughs> nine through 11 and they're already asked <laughs> acting that way. I'm like, guys, take it easy. Right. Yeah. But um, I was, it was funny because. I was looking at the at the kids. And I was like, "This is the we could use this as a recruiting tool." I was joking with the Uber guys because because you know Marco's is Richard Feynman's grandson. Liam's dad is the astrophysicist, um, and Mock's dad is a nuclear engineer. And Colby, and I was like, <laughs> "We got like Uber's new engineering team." <laughs> nice. So that turned out that turned out to be a, a lot of fun. And then on the way back, we just dropped all the kids off at their house one by one. So oh, nice, you know. But it was. Uh, that, was sounds, that sounds hilarious. Yeah. So you got anything? I. You know what? I don't have anything. I, I, this is a this is a lame effort from me, apart from my opening political discussion. Oh right. Um, well, so we should think about um, beginning to consider wrapping up maybe in like ten minutes. Okay. So I got a couple couple things. Um, so went up to um, to Uber last week. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, what was interesting is I was, you know, I was working on this. I've told you I've been working on this real-time dashboard for the, um, or the dashboard for the real-time components of the system, the dispatch system and all the other. Now it's not just the dispatch system. There's all these different other floating components. And uh, so I was talking to Amos. I'm like, so what are you working on? He's like, well, you know, we have all of these servers now with all of these different numbers of cores and and the servers are different. The cores are different speeds on the different servers, right? You know, I mean, or the, the servers are different speeds. Um, and we have, now we have all these different cities. I mean, that's like, I don't know, 
40 cities or more than that, something like that. And like, we have a certain number of processes that are spawned per city. So like San Francisco might have 10 or 12 individual node processes. We call them peers. And so some of the drivers, some of the clients are on, you know, are will be signed to one peer and then so we may have 50 drivers and clients on one and another roughly 50 and another, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's the whole grid system that I told you that Amos and I built. Yeah. So now he, we were trying to figure out, I was like, well, the problem is now is we we're trying to figure out like how we should allocate cities to servers so that we don't have all of these cities spiking at the same time and driving up the, you know, having all the cores going to a hundred percent or not to hundred percent, but going, getting really busy because when I have a bunch of the cores going to 70, 80% for a long period of time, like bad things start to happen yeah. with the system. And, um, so it's like, well, so we were sitting at, so we went to like a little conference room, we were on the whiteboard and, and he's like, okay, so like we have like the number, what the CPU usage is for a particular hour for a particular city, right? So you have like this 20, uh, array of 24 values ranging between zero and hundred percent. And, and, uh, well, okay. So, and then we have, you know. 20 servers and this has 22 cores and the 16 cores this has whatever it's like so which ones go where how do we combine them up and so we were kind of trying to come up with like a little algorithm and i said you know what this is just a genetic algorithm this is kind of like i'm mean, not really a traveling salesman problem but you know it's a, it's, it's a permutation problem and or kind of like the multi-knapsack problem which are these are problems that sometimes you try and solve with linear programming or genetic algorithms or different things like that and so and you know, he didn't, he, you know, he didn't have a lot of familiarity with it. So I like, all right, I think I can do this. So what we do is we flatten out, we make an, we make a vector or an array where each ray represents a core on an individual server. So you might say the first server has eight cores, next server has 16 cores or 20 cores. And so you have this array of like a, you know, 200 and some odd or 400 cores or whatever it is. And then we have LA has 10 spots. San Francisco has infamous spots, Singapore, Stockholm, London, whatever. And I was like, you know, you could probably come up with a uh, an analytic solution, you know, using linear program or something. But you know, it's it's not it's not important to be absolutely optimal, just near optimum. And if the problem constraints change at all, we don't have to worry too much about it. We can just you know, change that in the um, in the fitness function for a genetic algorithm. So. If you think of genetic algorithms as just a bunch of candidate solutions, so we have a vector, say a vector has 200 um, values in each, or each 200 slots, and in each slot goes a particular, um, uh, an entry for a particular city. And so you could just shuffle it around and say, well, here's one. And then we do is we calculate what's the maximum um, CPU usage on a given server. So we want to reduce the, you know, minimize the maximum on any given server. So that's what I call it's kind of a min-max algorithm. Mm. So if we constantly are making reduce, make the worst case, then that'll give us our ultimately our best solution. So, and I was, you know, I was talking about this, and Amos is like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm like, don't worry, I got this. <laughs> I'm like, let me do this. This is awesome. Like I, because like it's what sometimes I like to do is like swoop in if I see like a really like, right like a cherry problem. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm on that one, and um, so I built that. Um, well, I worked on that for one of the days I was up there. I just kind of came in. I'm like, you know, I was thinking about the problem and. Actually, I didn't tell him. Then I told him the next morning. I'm like, I, I, I figured out how to do it. This is how we'll do it. Right. And so, and I was working on a little yesterday. So it's pretty neat, you know, because you don't get an opportunity to like use cool techniques like genetic algorithms. 
<laughs> on like real world problems, you know? And I'm like, that. Ah, this is actually kind of So what does it bit. do? Does it just give you a best answer? So you should, it basically says you should configure servers like this or does it continually swap the configuration around? I think version one will just say like, here is the best proposed solution, right? right? So it's like, and you look at what we have now, like let's let's go to our config, because right now it's sort of statically configured, you know? And you'll say, okay, well, let's go change our static configuration in the config file to match what the uh, the system is saying. And you could rerun it every couple of weeks or whatever. But I think later on what you could do as we're making this thing dynamically configurable, which we are, is we can have the thing just kind of reruns every hour and spits out and says, yeah, move this guy here, move this guy here, move that guy there, and, and you'll be hmm. optimal. That's cool. You know? Um, so in the way, in the way, uh, and, and actually it's not a genetic algorithm, it's an evolutionary strategy, which is very similar. So it's like you have like, say, a hundred candidate solutions and you go through all of them and you, and you figure out and you give it a rating of a fitness and the, the fitness was, um, what was the le- lowest maximum CPU usage throughout the 24 hour period? So if you maxed out at 34% and the other guy maxed out at 50%, well, you're better, right? Your worst case is better. Yeah. Yeah. And so you go through and then I just, in, you know, fitness, you want to rank by, uh, so you just say one divided by the, but I guess you're the, the other vector is like, how many people, how many connections that server handled? Well, you can, we can actually make it, we can have like a more sophisticated metrics, but CPU usage was what I'm using now. Right, right, right. Um, and so... But d- couldn't that just be low CPU usage because no one ever used that server? No, no, it's, um, it's a low CPU usage on that region, on that city. Okay. So what's, what's, what is the CPU usage for uh, uh, LA? And so I take... The last, so I think we'll probably do is like the last two weeks or last month. Okay, so so in other words, so you're going through all of the instances, you find the one with the lowest CPU usage, and you're saying, right, this configure the way that this instance is configured is good. Our worst it's, server, yeah. our busiest server, is going to max at forty seven percent at Thursday at five o'clock. See, the thing about it is, is like depending on the number of cores. You see, I'm not sure you can. Uh, is that load? Are you, are you basing it on load? Load, yeah, CPU load. Because because load is calculated differently depending on how many cores you have. Mm. So that's the only issue with that. No, it's uh, well, I mean, I'm not sure exactly the numbers, but basically, it's the amount of CPU usage on an individual core. CPU usage per core. Okay, yeah, and then and then so it would record it. So late, the different servers have different. Um, what I what I give them a multiplier. So some servers say if your multiplier is twice as fast, if your server is twice as fast than my server, then you have a two. Okay. Uh, multiplier. So you're. So I'm going to normalize that. So if like it ran sixty percent on you, or let's say yours is twice as fast, it ran thirty percent on you, yours and run like roughly sixty percent on me. Okay. On my server. So you normalize it, and then you then you denormalize it or whatever on the way out. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's a nice use uh, a little AI stuff. And um, so we actually spoke about some tech in the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was well, and I end up first. I was going to use genetic algorithms, but then I realized that um, doing um, crossover between so crossover is like you would say you if you had single point crossover, which is the simplest sort of crossover operator for genetic algorithms. It's like basically you have a genome, you have one solution, one vector, one array of two hundred slots, another array of two hundred slots, and each have a different um, each slot has a different um, uh, region here yeah. number. Well, if I just cut, if I just pick a random point in, in and I say, well, you take these and I take these guys, well, the problem that could happen is that you could have multiple allotments of the same 
uh, uh, let's see, uh, city peer index. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, screw that. Let's use evolutionary strategies where you don't use crossover. So what you do is use mutation. So you just do, you calculate fitness and, uh, and then you mutate ones and then you calculate their fitness and you get rid of the dead ones or the, the low porn ones. And cool. It worked. Nice. So I was like, that's pretty slick. Did we ever mention this um, donation from Simon Holmes? Did we mention that last year? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, anyway, Simon Holmes donated to Texting. Thank you very much. How much? Um, I don't have the. I don't have that number right here. Let's have a look. I don't have that number here. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, we did. We spoke about him because he was the one who released the book. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, we did. Simon's we getting the double yeah. love then. Yeah, okay. All right. So, um, I think we're, we're, we could call it, we could call it unless you've got something else. I get a couple more small things. Okay. So, the other cool thing when I went up to, uh, you know, Uber, I was talking to Amos, said, bring your basketball gear so we'll go play basketball at the <laughs> gym. So, I was like, cool. And he's like, well, we can't play today. He's like, we got to play. Oh, yeah, we've got to go early because we have, um, at six o'clock, we have an Uber, we have a thing at the stadium, mm-hmm. an Uber thing event. And I'm like, well, what the hell? He's like, I know we're going to the stadium, so we show up at. An Uber had rented the entire all the giant stadium. What? What? Yeah. So like, you can actually rent the stadium. So we actually went on the field, and they had the pitching machine out there, <laughs> and you could get in line and, and take pitches. And so what we did is like we had. I mean, and they had, you know, alcohol and food off to the side. And they had, uh, and then one of the guys had his friend who's band playing there. So the band playing on a plane over the loudspeakers. And they ended probably maybe 75 or 100 people there. So this is where Google's VC money's going. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it turns out I was talking to Peggy that because they have some kind of special deal with, um, I don't know if it cost that much because I think we had like, um, like there have, there's a, promo- a cross promotion. Oh, okay. With the giant, with, I think, with the giants and. Nice. And, uh, and Uber. So I don't know if it even cost that much, but <clears throat> it was kind of cool. We walk in there and, and like the, you know, the guards like, yeah, come this way. So we walk in there and next day we, you know, sign and sign the waivers. We walk in and, you know, I got in line to take pitches on the, uh, from the batting machine. And first of all, it's really hard to hit, <laughs> right? It's not easy. So most people couldn't, um, couldn't get much, you know, wood on the ball because it's just, it's too fast. But, um, and you, you would get like, I think it would give you like 10 pitches, you okay. know, but, um, uh, m- me and JJ who, uh, Jay was, Jay played division one football at like Iowa or something. He's 16. He's like 24. He's like six, four, two thirty, and played, was a good baseball player. And this other guy, Jake was a good player. So he and I, the three of us could actually hit mm. and it was, but it was like the first time I get up there, I like hit a few off into you know, like triples, like off into the outfield. I was like, yes. Like, <laughs> and I was like dying to go back through. Like I was like a little kid at like the, at the swim park going to back through the um, running swim as I can back to this, the, this, the water slide, you know, mm-hmm. and, cause I didn't know you could go through a board once. And then, um, cause I had like, you know, 10 or 15 people be waiting around and, and I see JJ back in line. I'm like, you can do this again. He's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm doing it again. You know? And, and so we, um, the three of us just kept going through over and over again. And, um, and the second time through, I went and I had kind of a mediocre, I kind of, you know, I hit a few, um, a few decent ones, but a lot of them were Did just anyone get a home run? Nobody hit it out, but, the th- but JJ and I could both get it out to the, uh, 
you know, almost to the wall. Like we right. got a handful of cracked a few out there. Great. And the third time I did pretty good. And the fourth time I, I had another good one. So, um, I have a video of, I had, I had Jake took a video of when he was kind of commentating where I got a hold of one. I'll, I'll outfit like a little 10 second clip, 10 nice. second clip up there. But I tell you what, 43 years old and I'm still like a, I was like a little kid taking pictures. I'm like, this is great. Oh, and then Amos. So Amos gets up before me and Amos has never played baseball and he's not, so he, he, he doesn't get anything. And then, and then I get up there and I cracked a bunch and he's like, and I'm like, do you see? And he's like, what? I'm like, dude, <laughs> you weren't even there. And then he, and then he misses, I don't know where he was. And the last time I'm up there, like I got a bunch of really good hits. And then like the last two were like, just barely got a hold of. And he's like, Oh, it wasn't bad. I'm like, are you, you missed, me, you right? missed all the I'm other like, ones. I thought he was jerking my chain. Like, you're messing with me, right? You didn't see those. So it's like, I got no proof from the dispatch team. I mean, other people do resolve it. It's like, yeah. my, my, you know, my buddy doesn't even. Well, you got it on video. I do. I show him. I have, he hasn't seen it. So I'm like, all right, Amos, yeah. I got evidence. At least I got Jake <laughs> to take. Well, I wanted video because I wanted to show Colby. Because Colby, because Sandy's like, you know, because I guess she called me and she she was doing something with the kids. And I'm like, oh, and I said, oh, I wish I could be there. I said, we're going to the Giant Stadium to take pictures. She's like, you're doing what? <laughs> like, yeah, so we roll, I guess. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but that's that's kind of fun about, I guess, some of these, um, you know, I guess these companies like Square and Uber and stuff as they do a lot of, because they're in this crazy recruiting battle back and forth, right? Mm. They're all fighting over the same candidates. So they make life pretty fun up there. I'm like, look at these guys. I'm like, I can't believe this is like your first job. You have no idea how good you have it. Mm. Like this is, this is like the life. Like we're just going to go to Giant Stadium and you guys are just going to be like running around the outfield, catching fly balls and hitting. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> How is that your, how is this our life? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so, let's see. I'm going to see if there's, I think that's about it. Oh, last thing, one last thing I will, one last small thing I want to say is, um, well, you know, oh, I went over, I'll talk about it. So, Colby's, remember I told you about the Kerbal Space Program stuff? Mm-hmm. So, he tried to install a new version and it didn't work and it would and just crashed. And so, it was weird. I don't know if you've seen this on Max, but... You know, because he kept asking me to reinstall. And every time I try and reinstall, it didn't do anything. It's the same crash report would come up. And then I was in, in Colby actually searched on the Google and he says, here, here's some info on, on what might be happening. And so it turns out that these programs save stuff in application, saved application data folder. Mm-hmm. And you actually have to delete that information. Otherwise, like at least for the KSP or Kerbal Space Program, if you installed a new version, it would still go and look at that 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 corrupted data, that bad data report, and it would just throw up an error. Have you seen that on, on Windows? Or on well, OS? I have, but like obviously other other programs, they're just better at managing that data. Like that's where they store the data, and they're better at managing it. But for example, when you drag a, a program into the trash on Apple, like it generally deletes. Uh, it it works a little bit like the registry. Like it knows that there's a few places where it needs to delete thing from. Mm-hmm. But if they if they haven't like put that into the program, then it won't do it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's um. I thought it was really weird. I mean, I was just so happy that I got it because he's been asking me like every day for the past six weeks to install it. So I was like, finally figured it out. But I just was like, I, I was like, why? I mean, you, yeah. that, I thought Max were just like you just remove the directory. Mm. It wasn't like Windows where you had to go and do an uninstall and. That, that's unique to that program stuff. that's unique to that program I, I actually do have one thing to talk about before we sign off okay cool um so with digidoo we 
are definitely looking for a DevOps, someone in DevOps. So it'd be interesting, but especially if 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 there's Chicago based, that would be also interesting. Um, so if you know anyone in DevOps, um, and basically that's different to system ops. So sysops is like purely you know sysadmin, but DevOps is this whole new thing where basically you're you're a, you're a sysadmin, but you're a coder as well. You're a hybrid. Yeah, you're. You can, you can kind of do both. But but you, you the kind of coding well. that you're doing is like you know in support of the system administration. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of in that mid. Yeah. There. So anyway, you, so yeah, have we talked to anybody yet? No, not yet, not yet. But okay. uh, interested to hear from people. Actually, there's a, there's an interesting startup called Hired Hired dot com. Have you heard about that? No. So what they do is um, basically Hired dot com. They they they're creating like an auction marketplace for every week. They have fifty engineers on there, so they themselves vet. Um, they themselves vet people coming into the system. They do a pretty thorough check and like they'll only put people who they really think are good coders, good people. So then they have like 500 companies who can bid on those people. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So so you so they'll be, you can go into Hired and I'll, I'll just show you the. No, don't worry about the show, but just talk about the show because it's right. not going to. Yeah, sure. Be very, so, make, we're not going to make some great radio. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you just go in and you can just get a really, you know, good insight into these people. And it was reminding me of a little bit like one of the tasks that you were working on. Was that me, me, me crew or something? Me crew. Yeah. yeah. I could imagine that that could have been a place that it could have gone. So it's interesting that you. So you would do what? Explain it to me one more time. Make sure. Okay. So you go up there and you just describe yourself and other companies bid. Yeah. So basically you put your profile on, but yeah. it's like a detailed profile, okay. right? And it gets vetted by the site by Hired.com. And it gets headed, it gets vetted in, in like a, a big way. Like they really check that you are a kind of top level person. Then they put you there. And so then companies of the 500 companies, you can go in and have a look. And there's only ever 50 candidates. So every week there's 50 candidates going through top level candidates. Mm-hmm. And you can just have a detailed look and you make a bid on them. So basically you say, I, I could pay you like 100 grand or 120 grand or whatever. And only when you place the bid, will they then have a, they, they'll have a discussion with you. Basically, you can have an interview. Yeah, so with they're them. essentially doing the same thing as developer auction, right? You oh, know, a developer auction. No, I know. I don't. Yeah, so they just copied developer auction. Oh, really? Yeah. So you you can see ads everywhere it goes. No, developer auction all over the website. Yeah. So yeah, they, it yeah, it just uh, it just it does exactly what its name. It works like. nicely. I mean, that basically there's very high you know it's very high quality people on the site, mm-hmm. um, and I guess they'll put like five PHP programmers, but you know five Ruby. Just give a spread. People yeah. do a different things. But there's, I haven't seen. I've I've looked at it for two weeks. So, but even to get in, you know, as a, as someone hiring, you have to be a company that is fully funded. You know, you have to be a proper company or a company that's fully funded. So, that I, th- I think they only have like 500 companies on the system. That's a lot of companies. Well, see, what we're trying to do with Meekroot is, see, one of the weaknesses of of that is that there are a lot of great candidates, but they're not necessarily on the market explicitly yeah right they're people they work at other company they work at a company already they're they may or may not be unhappy with their job but they're open to another opportunity to opportunities right yeah. so it's dangerous to put yourself and not be anonymous because if you're if your employer says hey so you're yeah, exactly that's what job, i was thinking you know yeah so these people have their name so either they are unemployed or they are a consultant or um no, I mean, they're, like they, obvious, they, they don't they don't care if they're they they, they just don't care that they're on the, they're on the system. Yeah, well, which is dangerous because then you could lose it. You, you know, unless you're, you know, 
mean, I mean, it'd be really weird if like your employer says, Hey, so you're currently job hunting. So why don't we just go and let you, well, I guess, I guess, uh, your employer doesn't get to see you because you say I work for Apple. So when Apple log in, they don't see your profile. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so maybe it does, it does do that, but, um, it's a little, I'm just guessing. It's a little, yeah, they, well, if they don't do that, then that's, but I mean, you, you can see what I mean by like, this this is a good. You can tell that these people are kind of highly vetted. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm actually showing Jason the list right now. And so, oh, by the way, so their revenue model is they take fifteen percent um, of the overall salary. So you know, if you, so this is basically a recruiter. It, it, is it is a recruiter. Yeah, it's just basically a recruiter. Yeah, but um, just just the 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 issue is like qu- qualifying the leads. That's a pretty big deal. Having such highly qualified leads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what we what we were trying to do with Meekroot is that you would put up like what we call a three minute resume. Yeah. So you'd go up there and you would just write like your vague title, you know, DevOps, Rails hacker, whatever, right? And you'd um you'd write like a um you know location, Chicago, Illinois, and then you'd say uh like a little short description of kind of what what makes you awesome, like what's your pitch, like mm-hmm. what's the coolest stuff you've done, or why why are you really good, or just you know, maybe what someone would say about you to pitch you to somebody else. So if someone say, why is Justin good? Well, he can bang, 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 bang. Right. Right. Um, and then what would happen is um, we'd have a big list of these people and you'd have uh, companies already signed up. So Lola would go down and get all these companies that were interested in the traffic. Right. Yep. And they would pay a certain amount of per month just to be part of it, just have access to the flow of candidates. And then if you were interested in a candidate and you just based on their yeah, their high level profile, you'd click and say, you know, like to like to find out more. And I as the candidate would get an email from the system would generate an email say, Hey, Justin at Digidu is interested in and is interested in by your profile, would like to know more. And if I say, Oh, okay, yeah, and I can see likewise I can see a little pitch about what Digidu is. Digidu does X, Y, and Z. This is such and such size company located here. And if I'm interested, I go, yeah, unlock my profile and they could see my whole profile. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was the that was the plan. Um nice. It never, uh, um, it never got out of the gate because um, I think more than anything is Lola just ran out of funding. Anyway, so I thought that I thought it was good because it like just you know, high, just pretty high quality candidates, very high yeah, quality. It looks, yeah, it looks good. It doesn't cost you anything to be part of it. No, just the fifteen percent if you hire someone. So you just went and created a profile for Digidu. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't easy to create a profile. Like, you can't just go onto hired.com and say, oh, I'm a company. Like, you have to go through a vetting process with them, speak to them on the phone. Oh, really? But, yeah. So they did vet yeah. you pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, that's pretty neat. Um, so? So I think we're done, right? We need to um, go grab some lunch. That's right. All right. That's a wrap. We're out. We're out.